Hello, welcome to episode 43 of Dream Signs and the Times. I'm Lori Lacey, and today we're going to talk about mind matters again, but a little deeper perspective on that. It'll be kind of riffy, but I have some specific stuff I want to talk about because you know, when we're exploring what the mind really is and trying to grab into um, the ether and uh, pull it more t- into the understanding or the perception right now where from where we are, a lot of questions come up and a lot of ideas come up. And um, I think one of the issues that we struggle with being born into the modern world is there's this uh, strange idea that there's supposed to be a way that is like the perfect or nirvana kind of way of living and that there won't be any damage to a person and um, no trauma of any kind and no uh, energy depletion based on this and ultimately it's it's about avoiding pain in a lot of ways and we get here and I don't know where this comes from it maybe it comes from being light beings before we are born onto the planet but um it's a holdover or but this we also have this analytical side of our mind um there's a lot of this uh it's grass is greener on the other side of the fence this assumption that it's perfect on in somebody else's world if it's not perfect in ours or this idea that there is a perfect way of being on the planet. And physics and the body don't allow for that. And so I'm wondering where this pressure comes from to have, to avoid pain and to, and obviously pain is not a fun thing. You know, it's one of those things that modern medicine does what it can to uh, mitigate it in certain ways, but we've gotten in trouble with that too, you know, with pain medications and things like that kind of um, dealing with the pain and which needs to happen on some levels because psychology, our psychology doesn't handle large amounts of pain very well. uh, And our society, we're not trained for that in most, you know, from most angles. Uh, Some people are, but um. There's a lot to wanting this nirvana, that's the only word I can think of, utopia also, um, to exist on the planet. And in that, there's a, 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 like I, like I said, a pressure or an anxiety that comes along with when something does happen that causes emotional pain or emotional or physical pain or, or these things that we are not really equipped to um, process, for lack of a better word, in a different way than um, is is the obvious. Now, you know, there are, ch- are ways to train the mind to handle these things and uh, type meditation type, type things that, that have helped. But um, in our society, that's not the easiest thing to do. And um, finding the time in with, you know, where you have all the parameters that, again, there's that perfectionism is that meditation has to be a uh, quiet process that, um, and uninterrupted, um, optimally, yes, that would be the case. But a lot of times we're kind of looking for ways to find the meditation in the world as we are going through it. And I'm a believer in an idea that we're not just like people, there's a saying that keeps floating through my head and I guess it's going to come out right now is, uh, fake it till you make it. And 
I, I've never liked that because I was always somebody who wanted to work for a skill set and practice it and put in time or, um, and, and there are times when you have to improvise, but I don't consider that faking it. I, I consider that to be finding it and digging for these treasures in a moment. Um, the, uh, some of the best things that have happened where I, I was asked to do something on the spot was where I found that part of myself and it connected with reality in such a way that I, I just basically asked the moment, what do I have that I can bring to this moment to make this, the situation, um, the optimal moment. And that's a way of reaching a sense of that bliss or, and I don't want to say perfectionism or per- perfection or anything, but where our ability to judge these things, just, we don't even need to, cause it's just, it is, and it's pristine in its way. And, um, so the challenge is to walk up to a moment and be confident in the fact that you have something to contribute to the moment and allowing for that to happen so that you find it. And it's the combination of things that creates these great moments. Uh, it's not just, well, I did this and I'm doing it how I've always done it. And I practiced it a million times and, and then, uh, it's going to come out that way. And then a rainstorm hits. Um, I just posted something on Facebook, uh, about, this thing that my band had to go through. It was one of the best performances we ever had because we were participating with nature and I'm not suggesting anybody do this cause it was crazy, but we were um, playing this, uh, the man cow tent at the, um, at Arrowhead stadium in the parking lot. And my rock band was playing, it was firebox at the time. And we were playing welcome to the Jum- jungle by um, Guns N' Roses. And the, at the opening scream, we got hit with a microburst. So I'm screaming this, this beginning, uh, just long, long winded thing that, that Axl Rose does. And the wind started to pick up and grab the, this giant white tent that we were in. And uh, we got through the song somehow. I don't, I don't know if it was like, I don't, we, we walked into that moment just saying, okay, we're, we're rock and roll here and we're just doing it. And we kept playing. And, uh, at the end when it said, when, uh, I sang, it's going to bring you down, the tent came down in the back. We grabbed all our equipment, ran out of the, the, the tent as best we could and, and got the stuff in the car. Uh, cause we didn't realize how bad it was, you know, but we were caught up in this storm and it, you know, I'm not saying we conjured the storm, but something weird happened. I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, and there were witnesses to all this. So walking into that moment, I couldn't have told you, okay, well, let's arrange it. So a freaking microverse burst shows up in the middle of this song. That's going to be really fucking cool. Or, um, you know, cause people were like, Oh, that's dangerous. And a lot of people were like, Oh, I'm so glad you got this stuff. You, you, I mean, you got okay. And you didn't get electrocuted and that's so sweet and everything. But it was one of those things that was kind of beyond, beyond, um, the norm in any way, shape or form. You couldn't even like think in terms of safety because like you, nobody was sure what was going on until it was already like almost over. So anyway, it was just one of those things. Um, it was it, definitely bizarre. Uh, again, I don't suggest that particular thing because we didn't have any control over it. It wasn't like we uh, said that we we're going to keep going, you know, despite the things. It was just we were, the moment had its own um, power at that time. At that time, so so shifting this mind matters, uh, you know, uh, podcast stream thinking flow energy thing to uh, what I was going to jump into is. Um, so these 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 things that cause us harm or uh 
you know, we don't get through a situation where somebody's either, you know, hurting us or, or something happens. And um, this kind of thing, trauma or damage, uh, creates a state where people lose, um, they lose the ability to make a decision in their best interest, interest because their survival has been challenged in such a way that their relationship to reality has lost a, its trust factor. So it's not just what happened, but it's the fact that reality did not live up to expectation. And the expectation is that um, most of us are born with this sense that we wouldn't want to hurt anybody on purpose. Um, a lot of people are. And uh, when that hap- happens, where somebody is willfully like causing us harm, it's like, oh, but I wouldn't do that. And... But there, and you know, as we learn about the world and we go through different phases of things, we realize that, okay, there are people who do like to inflict harm. And, you know, that acceptance is a really difficult thing. So it, it makes us not um, feel stable in reality because it's not the way we perceive it or conceive of it. And then illusion swoops in to distract from the pain of what occurred. Um, so we get caught up in these mindsets that um, just, you know, of escapism. It could be just as simple as like uh, daydreaming so, so we don't have to be in the moment or listening to music to distract us from, you know, racing thoughts or whatever. And I'm not saying these aren't good coping mechanisms. They're, there's a point where you have to buy yourself some time to figure shit out. Uh, been there, you know, but um, illusion swoops in to distract us from the pain. And then the mindset has been narrowed by a type of morality that blames the victim for the sin. Uh, so, and I don't mean that I'm calling it a sin. I would never do that. Uh, for, but for what occurred, it, um, th- it it's like insult to injury when somebody hurts somebody and then the the person is blamed for it. And I'm not talking about victim blaming and victim shaming. I don't believe in the way that is handled right now. What it does is really just d- detract and distract from what really happened and what really needs to be taken care of. Um, and kind of gets people caught up in that mentality that, well, I'm a victim, I can't do anything, which is complete bullshit. But I do honor the damage that happens to people. And I would not try to, like, uh, minimize it by um, having some label thrown on to somebody where I believe that, that you know, uh, keeping somebody in a victim, victim state makes them a good you know, uh, somebody that can be manipulated for somebody. And I'm like, let's get our power and get, and, and pull the wheels out of that mud, you know, mudslide or whatever. So, um, but then, you know, as, as this progresses, this mindset progresses, uh, chaos becomes the norm and there has to be a certain amount, I believe of, of acceptance that chaos exists. You know, we can't just like stick our head in the sand and pretend that none of this stuff is happening but when chaos becomes an addictive thing because all we know is a certain amount of pain and I'm speaking from my own experience I'm not trying to like say wait people should do anything this is the the way I've understood it and then I've listened to other people talk about it and this is how it came to be some understanding that I wanted to talk about um the structural integrity of the whole of the wholeness of the person is tilting on its axis and perforated by doubt and pain and an unsteady relationship with time. It's almost like I, we were born here wanting uh, some sort of paradise kind of situation where 
um, there wasn't any pain or, or, or a certain type of challenge that was just like beyond what is reasonable. And for some reason that is, is the way of this planet in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, I don't want to try to explain it in terms of, you know, negative and positive forces. I know they're there, but you know, it's how we interpret that, that can push us into this dogmatic thing. So, um, so we project forward sometimes in time to avoid the now because there's the pain is perceived to be there. And then we try to, uh, hang in into the past or go backward to try to solve the problem without all the participants, participants and all the elements that would empower a person with this hindsight. So, one of the difficulties with um, going, you know, ruminating over a situation, and um, even in certain types of, I've been in situation where I was in a talking situation with a group where I was a group participant. I was not running the group per se. I was a group participant, and there was this feeling that we were talking and kind of. Uh, venting about a situation but the fact that the people that were causing um some dip the difficulty the fact that they weren't in the room with us seemed very lost to me like we were hanging out in the past in a sense and there yeah there was a sense of of you know this camaraderie about having gone through similar things and all this stuff but uh i didn't feel like things were being handled directly in such a way that i felt more powerful when I left the situation because not all of the elements were there. And I did feel like I was kind of swimming around in the past. Um, and that kind of keeps the whole tilted on that axis in such a way that we don't sort of spin um, at our optimal uh, optimum uh, rate or ability. And it, it feels like there's kind of a wobble to the whole thing. So, and again, if you disagree with anything I'm saying, I'm fine with that. Everything I'm presenting is just to spark questions or spark ideas or, um, you know, kick something into gear where an energy might make sense and you can follow a line of thinking. Because, um, again, I don't know all the elements of, of something that you might be dealing with, but I care about them you know, as much as um, it's possible from this vantage point. But I also believe that each person has the ability to seek the particular um, help that they might need. And, and in, in, a, in these situations from, from a, a multitude of angles. So, um, and people, okay, so this whole thing about uh, drugs is, I find fascinating especially people who uh like to get high in order to change their headspace um and i believe that that is not this insipid horrible thing i think what people are trying to do is to touch heaven uh especially when they're taking some kind of hallucinogen there it's it's not always to escape it's to the the idea of getting high is to return uh, attempt to return to the beginning state of things of of um that pure soul state and then you know with the the way the drugs are on the planet right now there's a, a signature to everything that kind of pulls people into a certain way of doing that that can um cloud that whole thing and then there's the price that's paid on the body if it's done every single day which uh again i think there's a search for heaven in that sense and a way uh, uh people trying to get there 
um, and, and not die. But like, there's, you know, I've talked to people where they were in states that they didn't care whether they lived or died because they were reaching so far for that. And after a lot of times after that first experience, um, especially with, uh, you know, the opiate type situations, uh, that feeling isn't the same. And, but the, with spiritual matters, the feeling is, is one of those things that without a drug or without, and I'm not saying you can't get there without, you know, with a drug It's cause I don't have, I have some experience, obviously very little with that. Um, cause it, um, it's, it's something that I haven't delved into because I had a feeling it wasn't for me in the same way that it is for other people. But what little experience I do have and from talking to people, it's um, those bliss states that I have found after just talking to somebody, like not, not about that stuff, but just talking on those higher levels, uh, have they've lasted a, a long time and they've been something that has been a constant. And it's why religion is so popular because people get a taste of that. Um, and they realize, oh my gosh, I go to church and I have that feeling every, every time I, I walk in there, or I have that feeling every time I think about that kind of thing. But, um, the, the bliss states that I've been in that have, have occurred just on their own, they, they are, they have the same power every time they happen. And again, I'm not suggesting what mode a person gets to that in there. And it's very heart centered. I feel it in the heart chakra a lot. And, um, so, uh, but it, it's not dependent on, on a substance. I don't think, I know there are molecules in the brain that, that get activated during those states, but I sincerely fear, feel, feel most of it in my heart area. And it's almost as if like my body's just attuned itself to this thing and my mind have attuned itself. And it is one of those things that is abundant, but it, and um, infinite in my my way of experiencing things, and I've invested my um, belief system or my belief uh, sort of <laughs> energy in this idea that there are infinite things out there that that can work through a person, and that that infinity is is beyond my ability to um, like describe it or harness it, you know, in totality in the sense that I would own it but I can participate in its infiniteness all the time at any point in time and it will never run out. So um, that is one of those things that helps uh, move that along and become something that is, even if it's not easy to access it all the time, the thought that it is there and that um, it can be accessed makes it appear in that way. And so it, that, that speaks to the suggestibility of the mind too, of like how we really can open these doors with that idea of just kind of investing that time and thought into it and, uh, just not even thought in a, a controlled way, but that, you know, um, being so to speak. So, um, we think it is, I was talking about how we think that, um, you know, people get high to escape reality but it's attempt to um, get away from the soil and touch the soul, um, which is the earth, obviously. Um, so the problem is that, uh, you know, the drug part, it's expensive. It, it's kind of a rabbit hole in a lot of ways because, again, it has its own thing. You know, there are sacred situations 
that um, if they're spaced out, I believe, you know, like over with a, a large expanse of time in between to learn what, what it was telling you, um, it can work, I, I assume. But the problem is that it has gone from a sacred experience to a commodified way to deal with reality because we have relinquished reality to the hounds a, bit, a little bit. So I am saying that we need to fight for reality fight for uh our idea of what reality needs to be and that is a lot about how much we um invest in other people to handle our things you know again i'm not a proponent of handing my uh spiritual development over to another person to interpret more than my own version of it. And I, I hope that other people are interested in that too with themselves. Uh, again, I, I can see, I consider myself somebody who's just throwing out questions and throwing out ideas so that a person can grab onto something and go, I've, I've had this and I can craft an idea out that and trust that. And give the trust back to people and their lives and who, you know, and their minds. Uh, it's been, I find myself still looking for validation in areas and I'm like, really? And it's, it's a, an impulsive thing for me. It's, it's this need for approval on certain things. You know, it's a performer, uh, it's a performer conundrum. You know, we're trying to be, you know, reach this high also, uh, this higher level and, and yank down some of that energy and present it to people through music or art or whatever. But we also, um, get caught up in, in, um, needing that approval too, to say, are we doing this right? And then at that point it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, um, it should speak for itself. And a lot of times it does, but there's still that thing that drove us into that, which is wanting to please people or wanting to make, see people uh, get, be happy because of something we brought into uh, their view or their ears or whatever, you know, their, their hearing. So there are many ways to approach um, looking at this. Uh, I, I had an idea and it worked for me today. So this is something to kick around is, when you release your backstory into the Akashic Records, it's done. We loop a lot in the now. We loop in what should I have done, uh, what could I have done, what can I do, what should I do. And all of that is looping. It's looping us in this this time thing and it's giving away our power to something else. And releasing the the backstory and the past into the Akashic Records was a way that I saw to have the metaphor that that's, you know, holding the energy for work for us. It's already there and trusting that it is there and that the Akashic Records, which is the energy expression and recording, let's say, of our experiences on the earth plane uh, every single person on in the earth game has an akashic record and it's it's all the things that have happened it's it's and i love this as a as a concept just because it's um it's the relationship that matters it's not exactly what happened and when you're um in that vantage point of the soul and sort of looking down on things for better, lack of a better word um 
these things that have all this morality and I, again, I, I don't want people hurting each other. I don't want anything stupid happening, you know, that doesn't need to happen. And I guess that's a judgment, but, um, you know, like there's a certain amount of balance that, that I believe is important. But when we look at it from the vantage point of the soul, the things that we value from the earth perspective and then from the soul perspective are different. Let's just put it that way. And so the fact that we would view our lives almost from the vantage point of somebody that would feel um, uh, a sense or a being or that light vantage point, there's no judgment there. And there's a sense of empathy that's way different than this empathy that they, that people are kicking around as empathy when it's really just um, emotional appropriation is what I'm going to call a lot of the way empathy is used right now. And it's, it's low rent to me. It's, it's a shit show when a person is like feeling sorry for somebody that, which, which takes away their power and then broadcasts that to make themselves look better. That is like double stupid to me. So, um, this is a spiritual version of processing emotions. When we release the backstory into the Akashic records, we resist releasing our backstory into the records because of social stigma and, um, this idea that we have to fix it or we have to m- change something and th- uh, the releasing it into the records give, uh, gives it a sense of this is in the past. It really lays it out in, and it, it's, it's its own storyline. Even it's, a, it's an energy storyline, but it's still a storyline. We are trying to erase these bad events, expunge them because of these non-soul ways of viewing existence. And that's that's where the morality comes in is like um the the bad badness of events i mean the things that happen on earth a lot of times are happening be- it's like action reaction and some sometimes people cannot think fast enough to uh not react against pain or whatever and so we're juggling a lot and i re- refuse to be uh j- judgmental of people who are working through that even if they've turned to shit in the way they like you know harm people and stuff or whatever it's like it's i'm not ever going to make an excuse for that cuz it's like that that golden rule do unto others you know that's not just a christian thing it's that's like a an everything thing it's it's part of like that optimization if and it may be a little nirvana oriented but a lot of us have that directive that we don't want to hurt people if we can avoid it um they may be um these these things that happen may be embarrassing or appalling in the socio earthly i made that shit up um dogmatic religious context but uh the akasha and the soul level is not a judgmental place like that and that um i'm making up a lot of words and stuff but i've got to grab onto whatever will will like catch the energy of this um and it's uh but the akasha and the soul level are not judgmental like that from any angle it's like this is the way of things and how do how do we rise above it? Um, we get caught in a loop that perpetuates the pain and makes us independent or dependent on other people to validate, judge, or, uh, or judge our existence. Nobody is in a position. Nobody in any position is qualified to judge anyone. That is the bottom line. We want it because it's almost like a thing. If somebody gives us a good judgment, it's like like something we can like put in our pocket. And uh, take with us or put it on a, uh, this like social resume or something 
that we feel better and we're accepted in some way. And of course there are uses for social acceptance. Of course there's um, a certain balance because we're not the only pe- there's not only one of us on the planet. There's a bunch of us and um, navigating all these different um, experiences is hard because a person who seems really dogmatic and hardened by the world didn't get there by wanting to be that way. They lost control at some point and control became a big deal. And finding that point in them and going, what was that day like when they flipped the switch and when they became that dogmatic thing and became reliant on uh, rules and dogma and uh, social validation to uh, express their existence, that was a rough day for a person. And it doesn't mean that we feel, I, I am not going to feel bad. Uh, I almost told you what to do. I, didn't, I had to back out of that. I would not do that. Um, I don't mean to anyway. Um, but I would feel bad, you know, even imagining that, what that day was like for that person because they basically relinquished their individuality and their um, full expression of themselves to become part of something that they deemed more reliable than their own self at that point. And that gives me compassion for even some of the biggest assholes. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm not going to like, you know, shut them down verbally uh, when I have to. But, uh, you know, this teaches me every day. This kind of stuff teaches me every single day. I hold um, not necessarily grudges, but I hold up anger sometimes. And, you know, I'm negotiating through all that shit in different ways. And it's not like I'm like, well, I had a non-angry day. So so that was my better self than this day. No, I got to understand why you know, that is still around. It's, it's not even, um, like I've become better per se. It's like, how do we extract this and, and, um, write it into the records and release it? That is the question for me on some stuff. So, um, so, and these people who have become dogmatic or whatever, they can enforce rules or horrifically cross boundaries of basic decency and try to assume the role of the God, but ultimately, this is all earth bullshit. A lot of people do that. And and I was saying that about people who are in that judgment situation. Um, and to for us to be in our light, release the backstory, good, bad, and all the variants and mixes into the timeline story. Ultimately, this is the library of what I believe to be the knowledge uh, written in emotional ink that will help raise the vibration of this existence, of this earth existence that we're in. And um, so there's some also some assumptions that our current technology in everything, like from psychology to uh, philosophy to the the tech world, um, you know, uh, digital technology, all the things. uh, We have this idea and it's a little bit arrogant, I think, that we are because we're at the 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 head of the comet, so to speak, that's, you know, on, we're running through time and we're in it right now. We believe that we have the most um, advanced civilization that's out there and we have proof of it. We've got the internet, we've got all this stuff. We have more people that are emotionally like confused to at the very least right now than probably ever in time. And so uh, advancement, 
you know, I'm moving my hands one up, the other down, the other one up, uh, the other one down. So because it's like, what have we traded off for all that? I'm not anti-technology at all. I am very uh, pro-technology because I think we have access to information that is useful, but we are not psychologically equipped to um, even know the questions to ask with all this this information at our fingertips. So um, keeping all of that in mind, um, there's a possibility. I've been seeing some stuff. Um, uh, Ancient Apocalypse, I think, was the Netflix, Netflix series. Um, uh, Graham Hancock and some other people have been talking about the possibility that 12,800 years ago there was a flood. That there there is evidence that that happened. Um, there's archaeological evidence that an advanced society lived before our current technological progression. Um, I think that they possibly had a better balance and a handle on this stuff. And there's a thought that uh, this meteor sh- shower came and uh, released the flood or caused the, the flood to occur that was on this massive scale. And so... This idea that we may have been more advanced before uh, before all this happened and that we had to kind of start over, that is something to kick around. Um, they're starting to find st- archaeological evidence and a lot of people blow it off because they're like, well, the archaeology, it doesn't fit into the timeline that we've set up. And I know I may sound like roguish or uh, fringe right now, but I there's something in my gut that says that that this is true, that there was, I've always thought that there was more in the library of Alexandria than, than met the eye or that, that we can assume is in our current libraries. You know, we, we look at history through whether we want to or not through this lens of what we know. And when you're talking to somebody, you can't even look at their life through the lens of what you know, because you'll get uh, like, 1% of their meaning in on a good day and it's probably more infinitesimal than that so um this whole perspective idea of trying to um come up with ways to release and I guess this is all uh, related to what people call ego and I know I can think of one person who listens to this podcast at least who would be like yep (laughs) you know they've I know he's he's um, going. That's that's what this is, or I'm assuming that he's he's possibly thinking that. And we tend to fill a lot of um, gaps in knowledge. I was having this discussion with somebody about how uh, we don't quite wait uh, long enough to get more information when we don't have enough information to understand something. So I'm not going to clamp down on this new information of 12,800 years ago. There. Uh, societies were wiped out and they had to rebuild. Uh, but all the flood myths of all, you know, the Gilgamesh and uh, the biblical and uh, there are a bunch of other ones in all in indigenous cultures and um, what are deemed Western cultures. And there's a, a myth like this in everything, just about everything. And so that idea that there is this thing explaining all of you know that everybody was aware of something that and it might have historical um some historical um uh actual actuality it might be a historical event 
it makes us have to reconsider the reality in that way. So um, on Mind Matters today, we've gone a lot of places. And again, I'm not, this is just, this is not just a cover your ass thing. If anything was uh, bothersome that I said, again, flick it like a booger. That's the way we do things. If it is, um, and that gives me, that gives the power to you. It gives the power of me, from, from me, of pre- free speech. And it gives the power to you to go, I don't fucking agree with what she said. And that's, that's cool, you know? I'm grabbing stuff out of the ether and out of the back of my mind and, and out of my travels during the week where I'm like, ah, oh, what am I going to, what little treasures am I going to gather for anybody who might be listening? And that's all I'm trying to do is grab these ideas and, 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 um, gather them. And if it's, the whole idea is to find, uh, the higher vibration thing and, and get into that space and let the past be in its storyline. Um, by messing with it from the future, it's like, we're, we're, we're not allowing for the pure or in the, in the present, we're not allowing for the pure, um, expression of our current timeline. And as we get older, it gets harder and harder. It's like, we've got all these things and we're like, oh man, I should have. Okay. How do I, how do I fix that? Um, uh, but if we release it into the Akashic records, which is where it is, in that, it, and, and it can sit there and it can be its thing. Let it be its thing. And then if it's got something left to teach us, let's move into that. If it's got something, if, if um, it's done in, in terms of its energy, it's time to let it be its thing. And so I'm hoping that this perspective will, will release people from any kind of from some, not all, I know, I don't know how possible it is to release every single thing, but, and so there's no pressure to release all of it. That's the other thing is like, we're not in some perfect land here, um, where it's got to be, uh, oh, well, I released everything and I'm, I'm in my pure state. If that happens, awesome, but don't let there be pressure if you can avoid it of that, because releasing just one of those things that might be like freezing part of us in that, uh, you know, in that false, um, sense that we're in that zone. Um, you know, obviously we are in the now. That's the thing that, uh, is the truth of the matter. And it's what we do with all that stuff that matters, but that's where the power is. The power in being able to release the past into the Akashic records and to, uh, give ourselves this chance to live in this now is a big one. So, um, don't let anybody talk you out of your power. And uh, just see see what comes, you know. Don't let anybody talk you out of out of your power. That shit is yours. Who else's is it? It's yours. Take it. Be it. <laughs>